56 mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 8.02 the time on this All Saints Day edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Happy Hump Day to you. It's the Wednesday, November 1st, 2023 edition to be exact. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, their overstock sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Going to talk some Ole Miss athletics with our buddy David Johnson in just a moment. 30 degrees right now. The sun is shining, though. We're looking at a feel-like temperature of 26 if you're getting your Thursday or make that Wednesday morning start early like we are. Intervals of clouds and sunshine throughout the day and a high of only 50. Chance of rain only at 10%. Few clouds tonight, low of 33 then mostly sunny tomorrow with a high of 59. Second hour of the program is brought to you each and every day by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers. 4,900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. And this week, we've been talking about it. It's Designer Week at James Gaddis Jewelers. Uh, many of their favorite designers, unique creations discounted up to 50%. If you're looking to buy a loved one some jewelry for the holidays, this is the time to take advantage of it over at James Gaddis Jewelers. Again, discounted up to 50% for all their designers. And check this out. If you purchase a designer item, they'll enter you into a drawing for a pair of beautiful one-carat lab-grown diamond stud earrings. Again, that's just for purchasing anything from uh, the designers that are on display at James Gaddis Jewelers. You will get an entry into that drawing for that beautiful uh, pair of diamond stud earrings. It's a unique opportunity to explore the exceptional craftsmanship and the artistry of these designers while taking advantage of significant savings. So take advantage of Designer Week at James Gaddis Jewelers, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick on the web at Gaddis Jewelers. Dot com. As promised, time to talk a little Ole Miss Rebels. We do so with David Johnson. He covers Ole Miss for 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Rebels247. David joining us now on Sports 56 Mornings. Hey, David, how are you? Hey, guys. How are you? Doing fantastic. So 7-1 and one going into the A&M game, and then that'll be followed by the big battle with Georgia. As you look back at uh, your preseason predictions, and we had you on the program did you expect seven and one through eight games? What were your expectations as opposed to what reality is? No, I, I probably through the first eight probably expected Ole Miss to probably be six and two. Um, you know, um, they have exceeded my expectations back in the preseason. There's no doubt about it. Uh, ranked tenth in the college football playoff polls, and I think there's a real pathway. For Ole Miss to crack into the top four, I, I could see that happening. Of course, it all starts with you got to win every single game left on your schedule. Uh, not going to be an easy one with Texas A&M this weekend, but then everything's on the line November 11th when they're in Athens to play Georgia. And, you know, from that point forward, it's Louisiana Monroe at home and the Egg Bowl in Starkville. Ole Miss should be favored in both of those games. So run the table, finish 11-1. and one. Your only loss is to Alabama. And you absolutely own 
arguably the most impressive victory in college football this season if you can beat Georgia in Athens. So there's a way for Ole Miss to crack into the top four, regardless of what happens. Then Ohio State and Michigan still have to play one another. One of those teams, they're going to take a hit. And whether or not Ole Miss gets, gets enough credit for beating the Georgia Bulldogs to pass the loser of that, uh, you know, is up to the playoff rankings committee. But, you know, I, I, I do. I, I do see a, a way for them to get there. But they'll need LSU to beat Alabama. Yeah, you, you want that to happen, and that, that's another domino that could <laughs> fall in your direction. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's a scenario where Ole Miss doesn't have to have LSU beat Alabama, and they could possibly still get in the playoffs, and that's win out. Alabama wins out. Georgia beats Alabama convincingly in the SEC title game, and you're still sitting there 11-1 and with the most impressive victory in college football really in the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. If you win at Georgia, that's that's going to go a long way, especially if they then continue to go on and win win the SEC championship. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, that would be. Yeah, and what we don't know is in the mind of the committee how much they they weight that game. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we we don't know. Uh, so, you know, we'll we'll all wait and see on uh, I guess what is it November thirteenth when that week's poll comes out. But first, this is first. They've got to beat Texas A and M Saturday, and that's not going to be easy. Yeah, this is a a, a Texas A and M team that has um, it, it's been disappointing. <laughs> but defensively, they can get after the quarterback. They do a lot of things um, as far as that is concerned. How do you kind of view this matchup and and how this will play out against Texas A and M? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a slugfest. I really do. Uh, and you're exactly right. When you look at A&M, you look at the defense first. And, you know, Lane said it earlier this week, it's like playing a team with an NFL roster. Um, offensively, they keep tripping over themselves. Uh, but defensively, they're as good as anybody in the SEC. So, you know, I, I do think Ole Miss is capable of winning this game, and I think they will win this game. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a runaway score or anything like that. I mean, I think you're looking at a good old-fashioned SEC slugfest. Pete Golding's got the Ole Miss defense playing well, too. So, you know, I'm looking at 24-17, 24-20, something like that. I was going to ask you about that Ole Miss defense because I was down there for the LSU game um, where there was uh, no defense played on either on either side, basically, in that game. Yeah. But where where do you feel this defense is now under Golding? Improving, okay? They are... Uh, you know, Pete came into this season at Ole Miss really with one hand tied behind his back because he didn't have the bullets that, that, that he wants in his gun, so to speak. Um, you know, he has done an excellent job of moving guys around into key positions, critical positions, where they can make the most impact on a Saturday, uh, particularly in that secondary. And, uh, you know, nothing but A-plus for Pete Golding and what he's done with this Ole Miss defense. These guys think they can stop anybody and and you know i think any coordinator would tell you you know the first thing your guys have to believe in what they're doing old miss believes in what they're doing mm-hmm. and and you know they're having fun playing defense under golding uh what pete's doing on the recruiting trail is absolutely incredible he's got some great recruiters on the defensive side of the ball uh defensive line coach randall joiner being one of them 
Guys, they put together one of the best defensive line classes in the country, period. I mean, you look in there, and there's there's Cam Franklin from right down the road from y'all at Lake Cormoran. Um, Cam Beavers. Uh, Maurice Davis from Georgia. Will Eccles from Houston, Mississippi, who incredibly rose some 600 spots in the top 247 when we did our re-rankings because when he went to the combine in San Antonio last year, he went through as an offensive line. And, you know, everybody raved about his O-line skills. He was named one of the top O-linemen there, but nobody knew he played defense. And, uh, you know, his film got out this year. He went from number 725 to number 125 in the country. 600 spots. Wow. This kid rose. And, uh, you know, all of that's part of an incredible defensive line class, and they're not through up front yet. Um, and, you know, so ask me again about Pete Golding in a couple <laughs> of years when those guys are on the field. It's going to be fun to watch. Well, I want to ask you about Pete Golding this year. You just talked about uh, what they've been doing lately. They're playing against a quarterback who I think if Max Johnson gets time, he can be effective. I know he's been inconsistent since taking over, but do you think they can get pressure on Johnson? I think if he's under pressure, uh, it's bad news for A&M. Yeah, Jared Ivey, Cedric Johnson, the crew they're putting on the field, those are old misses, two bookends up front. Uh, yeah. They can get pressure on Max Johnson. And then you've got J.J. Peakies, Josh Terrace, you know, big defensive tackles that are athletic. Um, I really don't think Ole Miss is going to have difficulty getting pressure on Max Johnson. Um, you know, I, I think a and is going to have trouble throwing the football. I really and truly do. And, uh, you know, it, it it's going to make – and, I, look, I'm not going to say the Ole Miss offense is going to go out there and, and score every possession either. It's going to make for one of those good, old-fashioned SEC slugfests. Somebody may win on a field goal at the end. It was a slow start to the year for Quinshawn Judkins in the non-conference, but he's gotten it going in conference play. What's been the difference there? Yeah, I I think a little bit of uh, tweaking up front on the offensive line. Uh, You know, there was a a week after the Alabama loss that – you know, I think Wayne Kiffin and John Garrison, the O-line coach, really took it to their guys and really challenged them. And they've responded. And, uh, you know, it's better play up front. That That's what, uh, you know, you give Quinshawn a little bit of daylight to get going, and you see what happens. Uh, you know, Alabama game, not much daylight. The front of the season, not much daylight. Uh, that offensive line has been charged up by the coaching staff. And they're playing much better football. David Johnson joining us. He covers Ole Miss for 247 Sports and CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Rebels247. Okay, let's let's look into the crystal ball. Let's just say, and I understand your scenario from earlier about how Ole Miss can find themselves in the national playoff, but let's say Ole Miss takes care of business, beats Texas A&M, loses to Georgia, wins their final two, including the Egg Bowl. What are you thinking as far as bowl is concerned for Ole Miss? Yeah, I'll tell you what we're hearing right now is the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Uh, they're they're intrigued by how well the Ole Miss fan base travels, and they would love to have them. So, uh, you know, you never know with these bowl selections and how everything's going to stack up. But uh, I would think that's probably, uh, you know, goal, uh, 
one A number two. Mm-hmm. You know that's mm-hmm. uh, that that's uh, that's probably uh, where you would see Ole Miss land. How big, in your opinion, was it for Lane Kiffin to get that LSU win? Oh, I think it was huge. I mean, I mean, we would be having quite the different conversation right now if uh, if he didn't get the win. You know, and, and you know, going into that game, you know, the uh, the thing everybody put on Lane's shoulders was you can't win the big game. He's mm-hmm. never won the big mm-hmm. game. He won that game, and uh, you know, he's uh, doing quite well. To be honest with you, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, you go back to last fall in the last five games of the Ole Miss season, and it looked like this train, the Lane train, was about to derail. <laughs> um, but um, you know, wow. Uh, I'll just say that uh, Ole Miss football is healthy. Uh, I don't know if it's ever been as healthy as it is in my lifetime, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, he's he's been great at the transfer portal. Um, you know, y'all asked me a question about the difference in uh, Quinshot Judkins. I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that Caden Priestcorn is back in the lineup and completely mm-hmm. healthy. And, uh, you know, they do so many interesting things with him when they're asking him to run block. I mean, I'm watching the game last week, and, you know, I see Caden leave the tight end position, and and he's pulling around blocking a defensive tackle and things like that, and he loves to block. He's a former Memphis Tiger, by the way. I know you guys know yes. that, but that, that's who he is. You know that too well. Yeah. If if Lane, if you mentioned the, you know, um, the, the as healthy as it can be and everything else, and he gets the, the he shows he could win the big game. If he were to beat A and M, if he goes down to Georgia and wins, what's he get? Like a, I mean, at that point, he owns Oxford, right? <laughs> lifetime <Yeah>. contract. <laughs> Give that yeah, man yeah, a lifetime there's contract. Gonna, there's going to be a, another statue down on the square, <laughs> and this one will be uh, Lane Kiffin. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, it, it, it's fun. Okay, that's what I tell the the readers on our message board all the time about. Oh, uh, we 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 need to focus on Vandy. We need to all our. I'm like, look, guys. If you don't just think about the big picture and what could be, how much fun are you having? <laughs> I mean, don't don't just. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're focused on Vandy or if I'm focused on Vandy. I'm not going to take a single snap <laughs> for the Ole Miss Rebels on Saturday. Uh, my job is to talk about them, and uh, it, it's fun to look ahead. Um, not not Lane Kiffin shouldn't look ahead. Jackson Dart shouldn't be looking ahead, but. But David Johnson can look ahead. Greg Gaston can look ahead. I mean, what what what's the harm in that? And mm-hmm. it's fun to do. There's no question about it. David, you were talking about the recruits, especially on the defensive side, but sure, on the offensive side, it's going to happen as well, and how well they're doing on the recruiting trails. Well, a big part of that, as you know, is what you guys are doing and what the university is doing and what everybody's doing that's uh, associated with the collectives. And, of course, they have a good one with Ole Miss with this Grove Collection and this Grove Collective, rather. Um, so they're obviously doing what they need to do financially. Do you really have any insight on that? It seems like every time there's something, some discussion, whether it be on Capitol Hill or somewhere else, it's Walker Jones, it's the the Grove Collective that they're they're doing it the right way. What what type of money are we talking about here? What type of uh, um, you know collateral these guys that they have in their in their coffers to be able to provide nil money for these athletes? You know, it, it's not really. 
at a school like Ole Miss, it's not a question of how much. It's it's how well it's being utilized. And, you know, that's where the collaboration, and there is collaboration between Lane and Walker and that organization comes into play. Um, you know, they're not wasting their money. That That is the good thing about it. They're, they're spending it wisely. They're employing it in areas that uh, – the team needs help and help immediately because that's what the portal's all about, getting immediate help. And uh, right. I, I, I have nothing but accolades and applause for what uh, Walker Jones is doing with the Grove Collective and how the Ole Miss fan base has responded to it. Because, you know, if you want to talk about amongst SEC fan bases, Ole Miss is one of the smallest. And, uh, you know, it might not seem like that when, you know, we're right here in the midst of it, but um, it is. Truly, and uh, what they're doing with their resources, absolutely incredible. I've been nothing but impressed with uh, what they did. They did a, they did a, like an afternoon call in back at the front end of the season, and raised more than a million dollars on on a YouTube call in, where you could call in, talk to the coaches, things like that. I, I mean, it, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Mississippi obviously is not one of the richest states in the union. But uh, these these people care, and if you look at any stat, the most charitable states in the union, Mississippi always tops that list. And uh, you know, people want to see a winner here, and, and they have responded. So, nothing but applause for Walker Jones and Lane Kiffin and how they've handled this, as well as the Ole Miss fan base. As football plays well, basketball is about to get underway. The Chris Beard era starts mm-hmm. on Monday. They had the exhibition on this past Monday. What's the feeling? I, I've almost basketball can get overshadowed quite a bit through the years uh, with football, and then of course baseball at the end of the year. But what's the vibe right now as that basketball team gets ready to start their season? Yeah, well, there's a reason Ole Miss basketball has been overshadowed <laughs> because uh, you know outside of a few years under Rob Evans and uh, Rod Barnes and Andy Kennedy, there just hasn't been much to mm-hmm. talk about, right? Uh, Chris Beard, man, I love this guy. I mean, he gets here to Oxford, and, you know, he's not apologetic about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you see football coaches all the time. They, they well, it's going to take us a little while to rebuild and everything. I mean, board comes in, uh, Beard comes in, works the portal, and he's like, we're ready. We're ready. We're going to compete for championships right now, and uh, we're not going to apologize for it. And I think they're going to do exactly that, guys, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he's a breath of fresh air, if you ask me. And, you know, and I haven't talked to him about this. I don't think anybody has. But, you know, I think Chris Beard appreciates the fact that he's got a second life here in his coaching mm-hmm. career that, that looked to be dead in the water at one point. And we all know how good he was in that previous life. Man, he's so, he's glad to be here. He's excited, fully embraced Ole Miss basketball. The fans have embraced him. Uh, this is going to be an unbelievable men's basketball year. They may not have the talent to to go, you know, three rounds into the NCAA tournament, but I'll say here right now, in front of everybody on Sports Fifty Six on WHBQ, this will be an Ole Miss team that will be in the NCAA tournament. Hmm. At season's end. Wow. They're of course, going to make the tournament. And of course, once again, Memphis and Ole Miss will battle 
on the hardwood early in the season, and that should be a heck of a game. And I'll tell you what, if you can't appreciate getting that second opportunity, then there's a problem. We certainly know that Chris Beard is is very happy, he's gracious, and uh, that's the most important thing as he appreciates getting the second opportunity. So I think you're right, David. I think Ole Miss, uh, not only this year, but really in the future, as long as you know Chris Beard is there, I think uh, he's a really good X's and O's strategist-type coach, and he's going to get the players. Ole Miss basketball will not be second-guessed anymore as far as uh, over shadowed by what the football team is doing. So good times all around down in Oxford. He's David Johnson, and he covers Ole Miss for 247 Sports and CBS Sports. So check him out there. Follow him on Twitter at Rebels247. And, of course, uh, David, uh, joining us periodically. We always appreciate your time, David. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Fleet Feet, the place to go to get all your running gear. Go see the folks at Fleet Feet, either one of their two locations. East Memphis, that's in the Laurelwood Shopping Center, out in Collierville, Poplar and Houston Levy. Next to the Hueys there, you go in, they take a look at the way you run or walk, and they fit you with shoes that are right for you. Plus, they have all the other gear, everything that you need, they've got it for you at Fleet Feet. They've got advice for you. If you want to, if you're training for a race or just getting started running and got questions, they're all runners, they'll answer those. They've got their group runs and other things. They sponsor a lot of races around town, things that you can get involved with. You can find them online at Fleet Feet Memphis. Com or on social media, keeping up to date with those things they've got going on and how you can get involved with those. But the two locations, Laurelwood Shopping Center in East Memphis and Poplar Houston Levy out in Cairo, that's the two places to go find the folks at Fleet Feet. Connor O'Gara tweeting out that teams in the past that have been number one in the college football poll, the first week, the first week being the number one team in the college football poll since we went to that four-team playoff, 2014, Mississippi State missed the college football playoff. And in 2022, last year, Tennessee missed the college football playoff, being the number one team in the playoff in the four uh, in the first week. We'll see what happens with Ohio State. 2015, Clemson lost in the national championship. 2016, Bama lost in the natty. 2017, Georgia lost in the natty. 2018, Bama lost in the natty. 2019, Ohio State lost in the semis. Bama won the national title in 20. Georgia won the national title in 2021. We'll take a timeout when we come back. Jerry Palm on the other side. Don't forget your five favorite things, your five favorite Michael Jackson songs. Get your lists in, 901-360-8255. Text them in or send them via Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Or to the website, sportsmemphis.com. We'll talk about that in our next hour. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever! Woo! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. Happy November 1st. Happy All Saints Day. Happy Hump Day. A lot of happiness. Hope you had a great Halloween Hour number two of the program. We're about halfway home on this Wednesday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. Greg Aston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you. Coming up in hour three, we're going to talk plenty of Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole from the Commercial Appeal. And then five favorite things, your five favorite MJ. Michael Jackson, not Michael Jordan. Your five favorite Michael Jackson songs of all time. Right now, though, it's time for Jerry Palm. 
It's time for Sports 56 Mornings Weekly Chat with Jerry Paul, college football and basketball writer and bracketologist for CBSSports.com. Here are Greg, Eli, and Jerry. He is Jerry Palm, CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at JPPalmCBS. He joins us every single Wednesday during both the college football and basketball seasons. Hey, JP, how are you? Uh, I'm all right. We just uh, got to see Queen Monday night. Oh, where? Uh, Where'd you see him? Uh, in Chicago at the uh, United Center. It's still Adam Lambert, right? Yep. Yeah. Fabulous. <laughs> great, great show, right? Yeah. My yeah, my daughter's first concert. So. Oh wow! Uh, how about that? How old is she? Seventeen. So, how many concerts have you? How many um, Queen concerts now have you seen? Uh, five. Um, I saw them with Freddie, 1982, which turned out to be the last time they were in the U.S with Freddie and oh, wow. um, four, four times with Adam. Yeah, that's one I'd like to see. They never come around these parts, though. Oh, that's too bad. Because, yeah, they're, they're, they'd be worth the trip somewhere. Uh, it's a, a tremendous show. I don't know how much longer. I mean, you know, Brian and Roger are in their 70s. Right, right. Um, you know, they haven't lost anything um, in terms of their musical ability at all. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a tremendous show. All right, speaking of tremendous shows, uh, at one point when he was uh, on this great earth of ours, uh, Michael Jackson would put on a great show, and he Mm -hmm. is the subject of our topic this week for five favorite things. Your five favorite Michael Jackson songs, and that includes songs when he's with the Jackson Five, then they they, not dwarfed, but they turned into the Jacksons, and then, of course, he went solo and put together the illustrious career he did. What are your five favorite in order? Yeah, you know what would be an interesting topic, by the way, is the five your five favorite Al Yankovic uh, parodies of Michael Jackson. <laughs> I liked songs. it. I liked it. <laughs> uh, I didn't go with any of the uh, the very young Michael Jackson ones, oh, but those okay. are good too. But uh, anyway, right. number five, "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough." Okay. Number four, "Rock with You." Uh, number three, "Beat It." Uh, number two, "Thriller," and number one, "Billie Jean." Number one, Billie Jean. Good list. All right, so last night, uh, speaking of lists, college football playoffs, first ranking of the 2023 year, I I thought they did a really good job. I thought o- Ohio State has had the best resume, and they were number one. I like what Boo Corrigan said yesterday in his uh, remarks with Reese Davis. I think it was a, it was a good night. I, I really don't have many things to complain about. There's a few minor things, but what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, I haven't had a chance to read his comments, and I don't watch the show. Um, I just I can't watch the show. Uh, but no, I mean, I've, I've got um, I've got my own responsibilities at that time. So, no, I, thought, I thought it was in your CBS contract. You can't watch anything no, on ESPN. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, I I don't really have the patience to watch the show. I'm not sure I would watch <laughs> it if I had the opportunity. Um, I hear you. I just may have to be following the Twitter feed and just getting the results that way. Um, although I will, I haven't had a chance to read it his press conference either, but um, I'll get to that. Anyways, um, yeah, I thought the Georgia-Michigan thing was interesting, and it's, you know, when you think about it, I mean, Georgia's schedule ranking is horrible. I mean, not even in the top 100, horrible. Um, they've played two teams, or I guess three, that are bet- that have more than two wins. Auburn's a 500 team, and then Kentucky and Florida. Um, and they beat Kentucky and Florida really good, um, kind of played with their food a little bit in some of these other games. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and, and Michigan's obliterated everyone. And their strength of schedule ranking is around 70, slightly above it. Anyways, so considerably better ranking, but I don't think the perception of Michigan's schedule, it's, it's like Georgia's schedule ranking is, or Michigan's schedule ranking is better 
I think the perception of Georgia's schedule is better, although neither one really have much to thump their chest about when it comes to that. But um, I just think that, you know, if you're looking at Michigan's schedule and you see all these uh, also-ran Big Ten teams, you, you like Rutgers at 6-2. and two. Nobody's going to think Rutgers is that good. <laughs> just, right. and, that's, and that's because it's Rutgers. I mean, seriously, if that was Illinois six and two, you, you wouldn't bat an eye. But Rutgers six and two, um, yeah, I guess people can't get their heads around that. Anyways, um, Michigan's utter dominance over that schedule was not impressive enough to overtake Georgia's, and that's fine. And Florida State and Washington were a coin flip, and, and really, you could have ordered. I think Ohio State kind of had to be one. I think you could have ordered the other four any way you like and justified it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the thing with you know Michigan, they you know Rutgers, I guess the six. UNLV is like six and two, but like you're like okay, that's... right? Exactly. Another <laughs> yes, another team with a good record that people probably look at and think, well, yeah, but that's them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Most people would say like Florida is just way better than both those teams. Despite yeah, I don't, yeah. Which I, I would definitely favor Florida over uh, UNLV, and they'd probably be favored over Rutgers too on a neutral field. But Rutgers is probably better well, than people give them credit although for. The commi- yeah, the, the committee should know all that stuff. It's not like you're asking the fans here to vote and their perception. No, well, of teams. I mean, they have their own perceptions, right? Sure. No, yeah. no, there, no yeah. question about it. They're all different. But, but again, like you said, you could throw the other three Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, maybe in a hat, maybe throw Washington in there as well. But Florida State, you could make the argument with that win over LSU that they should be number two. Well, that, is, well, I mean, really, the second best win. I mean, you know, Ohio State, uh, well, actually the best win any of those teams has is Washington's win over Oregon. Yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. You're, then, yeah, you you're got right. Florida over LSU, but Ohio State's win over Notre Dame is better than that. And they got a win over Penn State. So that's why Ohio Penn State's State number well, one. Although uh-huh. that's at home. But still, you know, um, you know, it's Michigan and Georgia that don't have the win. Neither one of them has a win over a team in the ranking. Um Kentucky and Florida probably the closest to get be getting in the rankings. They may have even gotten some discussion, um, but it's yeah, it's uh, you know the, those other teams all have the wins. Um, you know Georgia and Michigan schedules are are not as good uh, as the others. Um, so so they, maybe I'm but, second guessing myself here. I just said I didn't have any issues, but you make a good point that. With Washington's win over Oregon, Florida State's win over LSU, obviously Ohio State's win over Notre Dame and Penn State, those three should absolutely be in, and then you coin flip between Georgia and Michigan. But it's Washington on the outside, and it's Florida State fourth. Yeah, think, I think about that. I think part of Washington's problem is um, they really haven't looked good since that yeah. Oregon game. You know, In fact, they were lucky to win the Oregon game. But... They've been kind of muddling along since then. They just haven't really been sharp, and I think that that, um, you know, that there's your game control. Yeah, thing, Georgia's you know, had really. a lot of muddling and this year, and, and that's what Corrigan well, said. Corrigan they said have. that last night afterward. That he, the, you know, the the last two games, yeah, they, kind they, of they, knocked they Washington looked, down a little bit. Yeah, Washington has not looked good the last couple of games, uh, and they, you know, there's a lot of perception in this. You know, this, there this, is. This, this, this is this is a um, I mean, you've got stats, and stats are nice. The basketball committee, which is also a subjective process, first of all, has 30-some games to work with, and these guys have like six right now, or eight. Yeah. Um, 
and they'll never get the more than 13. But um, it's just it, there's a lot more subjectivity, mm-hmm. I think, in the football because you football. First of all, football stats are not that great. I mean, I'm giving you strength of schedule numbers, but they're, those numbers are based on eight games too. So you know, it's, I think there's just a lot more subjectivity necessarily so in this process versus, say, the basketball committee process where you have really good statistics that that are meaningful over the course of 30-some games. I agree with that. They can also spin it any way because what they do, and Corrigan seemed to, and I I thought he did a good job, but he'll take like a specific game and he'll say, you know, that uh, that third quarter was really bad for this team. You know, he can spin it any which way he wants, but what it tells you is... I would object to that. I object to nitpicking... They uh, nitpick. They nitpick. It's almost like you have to be absolutely perfect. You can't. Yeah, let I, your... I have I have problems with saying somebody had a bad third quarter. You know, and that the whole game control thing to me is a bunch of crap. Um, mm-hmm. You know, get the win. You know, judge the entire win. That's judge what I the result. Yeah. And and Washington's results in the last two games have not been great. But you don't have to pick on the third quarter. No, Just say, you know what? He didn't do that specifically. But basically what he's doing is he's taking a game. He talked about uh, Florida State and the Red Bandana game. I'm like, okay. was that? Or, do you mean that I'm in sorry, a pot? What was the Red Bandana that game? That was the Boston College game. They, their oh, emotions okay. were high and all this. So I don't know if he was saying that in the benefit of Florida State or – or a, a, a negative thing toward Florida State, I would think that would be a positive because you would go, yeah, Florida State's going up against the emotions of Boston College on the Red Bandana game, and so it was going to be tight. But I think yeah. he used it as a negative for Florida State while they're fourth because they had a tight game with Boston College. Yeah, well, Weird. That's when they nitpick. Yeah. Things of yeah. that nature. But again, I, you know, it's first week. I thought they did a pretty good job. Florida State belongs in the four, but there's Washington again with that win over Oregon sitting on the outside. We've got five in. undefeated teams. You're going to leave out someone that Somebody's belongs out, in the right, four. Right. Would, Somebody's going to be out. Would you agree, Jerry, that based on the fact that the ACC only has the one other ranked team and they don't even play during the regular season, that Florida State seems to be in a position where they, I mean, again, the other things could happen, but they probably have to go undefeated? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Who who can they lose to that would yeah. that would help them? You know, or that they could overcome. You know, they just the the strength of schedule in the ACC is pretty bad generally, and North Carolina going in the tank here of late has not helped. Um, the fact that you know basically Louisville is the number two team, and I like Louisville. I think they're a good team. I you know I have a, would have a hard time putting them in the top ten. I might have a hard time putting them in the top ten if they still have one loss at the end of the regular season going into the championship game. It's just, I mean, they beat Notre Dame, and that's a good win. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat them at home. But what else are they going to get, yeah. really? And they don't play Carolina either. The three of them don't play each other, Florida, State, Louisville, and North Carolina. So neither one of them are going to play North Carolina, which is probably the third best team, but you wouldn't know it from the last two weeks. Yeah, it's the the ACC is uh, it's it's a struggle. <laughs> it's a struggle. Yeah, so, I mean, for, the so, fact yeah, that Virginia no Tech might still play the championship game. And if you end up, and you can't end up with five undefeated teams, but if you know Michigan, Ohio State, you know the loser of that game, mm-hmm. you could justify being ahead of an undefeated Florida State. I would not personally, but um, because I think if you're undefeated, you should and, you know you should you should be in here, but. You could, you'll be able to argue that the resume of either of those teams with one loss, the loser of that game, has got a better resume than Florida State. 
What do you? We just uh, we had a guy who covers Ole Miss. I was just going to ask that. What do you think? How <laughs> would if if Ole Miss were to beat, beat Georgia. Georgia on the road next week? They and they finish they finish eleven and one, but Alabama ends up winning the West and going to the championship game because of the tiebreaker. Georgia still beats Alabama in the championship game. How would Ole Miss at eleven and one compare to? Whatever one of those Big Ten teams loses, an eleven and one Ohio State or eleven and one Michigan, with a win at Georgia, I don't know that it matters because they might not be. It might still be the third best team in the SEC, even if Alabama loses to Georgia. Uh, they might still be the third best team in the SEC. I don't know. It's. Um, I mean, this is. See, they'd have... You'd have a loss at Tuscaloosa, but a win in Athens. Yeah. And and also LSU, yeah. right? Yeah, they'd have beaten LSU at home. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a that would be a weird situation, because now you're dealing with um, Georgia with a loss. You're, you're dealing with three teams that have a circular victory, yeah. you know, right? Um, so, uh, so Mississippi doesn't fare well because they played one fewer game. Um, so yeah, no, what, I, yeah, I think, what was this? I'm, 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 I'm saying, how were they compared I to the, 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 the committee? We're going to rank those three teams: mm-hmm. Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. Okay, but what was the scenario? Um, you have a good memory. What was the scenario several years ago where in the Big Ten? I think it was the Big Ten. The, it could have been the SEC. The divisional winner, like the team, didn't even make it to the conference championship game and got in the playoff. Ohio State. Oh. Ohio State. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 So, so that's a that's a well, situation. That's, and I remember arguing I mean, that, that, going, come on, how can you not even win your division, let alone your championship of your conference, and still make it to a four-team playoff? And they did. I mean, that could happen again this year. It, it could. It, it, that, I mean, it, it could be it, Ole Miss. Because, it, at least in the Big Ten, you've got, you know, the three yeah. best teams are in one division. They can't put two of those teams in the championship game. So... You know, I mean, I think you could, if Ohio State loses to Michigan and they're sitting there eleven and one with wins over uh, what Notre Dame and Penn State, and um, they're going to have a case as, they, as to being the best one loss team um, that isn't a conference champion. But, so, but so they would fall; they would be behind a twelve and one conference champion probably. But they have a strong case for an at large spot at eleven and one. But who are you talking about here? Ohio State yes. lose to Michigan. Oh yeah. yeah, Ohio State does, but Michigan doesn't. No, Michigan would not. Yeah. No, but Ohio State at eleven and one again this year. I mean, they were last year. Was it last year? Last year. In fact, last year, Ohio State and TCU lost to their final yeah. regular season games and still made the playoff. Their, their last game before the playoff, uh, TCU lost their conference championship game yeah. and still made the playoff. And Ohio State lost their conference championship game, which actually ends up being a division game, right? And right. and made the and made the playoff as well. So, I, I mean, I think Ohio State at eleven and one has a has a strong case for a spot in the playoff, depending on who else is there. In, in that scenario, you know, the win if Ole Miss won at Georgia, that would be the best win that any one of those teams would possibly have. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I would think so. Sure. Yeah, and Michigan would be Michigan lose to Ohio State. They're done because of the schedule that they've played. I mean, they just don't have anybody. Yeah, yeah but, they, but, they, they they can't survive on a win over Penn State and 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 nothing else. Right now, what do you think ends up happening? Just your opinion in this convoluted, congested uh, top bracket, top part of the Big Twelve. It's crazy. <laughs> I right tie for first. Yes. Um, I like Texas. I've liked them all along. 
Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, 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 it would be best for Texas if Oklahoma emerged from the pile when the rest of their games that emerged from the pile. I don't even know that they all play each other. I mean, Bedlam will happen. Um, so, this week. Uh, yeah, it's this week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Kansas will play Kansas State. Uh, I don't know that Oklahoma plays Kansas State. I, I don't know that all those teams play each other, so the tiebreakers could be interesting if it gets to that point. But Texas has the strongest case of any of those teams for a spot in the playoff at 12-1 and because of the win at Alabama, and nobody else has got anything like that. Yeah, this, this week is huge because you got Texas, Kansas State, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Um, and you know, Obviously, Texas with the backup quarterback. Kansas State's playing really well right now. Uh, mm-hmm. That's their because after Kansas State, those they, are all good teams. I mean, yeah. the, the the three that you know, Texas and Oklahoma are high up in the rankings, and then the other three are in the you know twenty one to twenty three. I think part of the rankings, right? Um, there, you know, those are all good teams. You know, you better show up ready to play, um, especially on the road uh, in those you know against those other three. So, um, yeah, Texas is going to have their hands full. Because no after- question. After this week, Texas has TCU, Iowa State, and Texas Tech. After this week, Oklahoma has West Virginia, BYU, and TCU. So there's not a whole lot no. necessarily after this, but this week is a tough yeah. game for each one. But both uh, of them. the best-case scenario, I think, for Texas is a rematch with Oklahoma, and they're both sitting at one loss. Yep, I think so, too. He's Jerry Palm, CBS Sports, cbssports.com. Check out his latest bowl projections. Follow him on Twitter at CBS. Catch him every Wednesday talking with us, both college Football and soon college basketball. JP. Well, actually, Friday preseason bracket for college basketball. Oh, it's coming out Friday. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So we'll talk about that next week, and we'll recap everything that happens in college football as well. Thank you, JP. Have a great week. Yep, you too. We will take a timeout, come back, wrap up hour number two, busy hour three coming up uh, still ahead. We'll talk Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole. We got five favorite things, your five favorite Michael Jackson songs. It's all coming up as we continue here on Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Don't you just love it? Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. So, that scenario that David brought up everything. Well, if you really, if you like, if you want chaos, if you like chaos... If that scenario played out that Ole Miss were to win at Georgia and win out, but Alabama wins out and goes to the big SEC championship game, if you could get then the if Michigan were to beat Ohio State but lose to Penn State, and you could get all three of the Big Ten teams to have one loss going in, uh, and then so they all finish with one loss. One of them's the conference champion, but the other two are not. They didn't play the conference championship game. You get Oregon to beat Washington in a rematch of the Pac-12 championship game. You could have, and then you get Florida State undefeated. You get undefeated Florida State, Georgia and Ole Miss each with one loss, the Big 12 champion with one loss, two Pac-12 teams with one loss, and three Big 10 teams with one loss. Mm -hmm. Try and sort that out. Every year I, I root for chaos and it never seems to happen. 
By the way, with the Ole Miss scenario, or even if you you can knock Florida State out of that and just have to sort just sort sort out all those other one loss teams, trying to figure out which ones get in. The, I mean, I think the conference champions, Georgia, and the Big Ten champion would get in. I don't know about the Big Twelve champion compared to some of these others. That would be that committee. That would be a nightmare for that committee to try and figure out. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's never been a two loss team in the playoff, right? No. Okay, but if you think about it. Which it, is that year you always bring up about Ohio State. Penn State had two losses this year. That that year, That's why they were left out. Okay, but here's the thing. Like, like let's say, I know there's a lot of other teams that would be in the mix. But let's say Ole Miss did beat Georgia. Okay? But, our, but Alabama still won the West. And Alabama lost to Georgia in the SEC championship game. Would that, would, it, can Georgia... Can Georgia lose a game and still be okay as long as they beat Tennessee? Like, if they lost Ole Miss, beat Tennessee, they're they're in. Yeah, because they'll have beaten everybody in the East. But if they lost both, they would be out. Okay, but let's say let's say Ole Miss— Actually, I don't know. They would, uh, Tennessee would still—Tennessee's uh, got how many losses right now in the SEC? One? They have, uh, don't they have two? Do they have two? Or do they only have the one? I don't remember what they have. Yeah, two losses. Florida and Alabama. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that. right. They lost to Florida. Georgia's in the Georgia's playing in the SEC championship. Okay. Even if they lose to Ole Miss. So let's say Ole Miss beat Georgia. I guess if Missouri beat Missouri would be the one. If they lost to Missouri, that would be. By the way, better chance to beat Georgia, even though I don't think either one has a chance to beat Georgia. Ole Miss or Missouri. Uh, I would say Ole Miss. Okay. Let's say Ole Miss beats. And again, it's not out of the question. I'm not saying it's impossible. Ole Miss beats Georgia. Arkansas. Alabama wins the West. They lose in the conference championship game to Georgia. Tight game, last second field goal. Georgia wins at 27 24. Yes, Alabama has two losses, but they would have beaten Ole Miss head to head and won the West Division. I know there's other teams out there, but let's say it came down to those two teams. I don't care that they have two losses and Ole Miss has won. They beat them head to head, and they won the division. I would go Alabama over Ole Miss. I would not, but that's I, again to me. I mean, there has to be some common sense. The common sense is that Alabama beat them head to head in Tuscaloosa, in Tuscaloosa, and still won the Western Division. Well, they won the d- division because they won that game, and that would be the yes. But the but if they're not even playing in the conference championship game, they wouldn't have that second loss to Georgia. So it's it's a weird scenario, but I'm just like that stuff always bothers me. Oh, by the way, this is this is a um, interesting tweet that's out there by a, a national writer. Remember when the things started to snowball on the sign stealing deal with Michigan, and there was the talk that you know the the NFL will like they could penalize Jim Harbaugh. If he takes a job in the um, National Football League. And I I chuckled at that. The person tweeted out and they said, are you kidding me? The recent report that the NFL won't be a safe harbor for Jim Harbaugh regarding an NCAA suspension looks even dumber with Antonio Pierce named the interim head coach of the Raiders. As I talked about in hour one, if you missed it overnight, Josh McDaniels was fired as the Raiders head coach along with their general manager, Dave Ziegler. And the linebackers coach, Antonio Pierce, the former Giant, former NFL linebacker, named the interim head coach. Antonio Pierce was involved with Arizona State and Herm Edwards and all the improprieties they did at Arizona State. 
And it has not affected him. He's now a head coach in the National Football League, albeit an interim head coach. I do not think for one second Harbaugh will be penalized to go to the National Football League. I think that's ridiculous. Again, if they're going to do the one, they're not going to do the other. That's ridiculous. Pierce is not being, and I, I have no problem with Antonio Pierce being elevated to that position. I don't care what happened at Arizona State. And the NFL or NFL teams are not going to care what happened at Michigan with sign stealing. Uh, no, I don't. I do not believe the NFL will do anything to him. All right, hour two of the books. When we come back, we are talking Grizzlies. Will they get their first win tonight of the NBA season? They'll take on the Utah Jazz as they begin a three-game road trip. We'll talk with the commercial appeals to Michael Cole, and then five favorite things. Your five favorite Michael Jackson songs of all time. Get your lists in now. Sports 56 listener lines. You can text in at 901-360-8255 or send your list via Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or send it to the website sportsmemphis.com. We'll read them on the air in about 35 minutes. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 